the wider that you think, the more opportunities come to you. And then the more reasonable you are when you say yes, the more likely you are to find yourself in, in interesting and, um, and new spaces. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Status Go, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of digital transformation, innovation, and of course, leadership. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, and today we've got a real treat for you. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by a guest who's truly a force to be reckoned with in the digital commerce industry. We're talking with Paul Pritchard, the brains behind the powerhouse that is Overdose Digital, a leading high-growth digital commerce agency out of New Zealand. These folks are known for shaking things up and driving business change through innovative digital strategies that not only transform the customer experience, but also supercharge sales on a global scale. But that's not all. Paul is also the host of a popular podcast, Overdose and Chill. Frankly, I, I love that name. That just is so cool. Overdose and Chill. I'm, I'm ready for the chill. Uh, today we're going to sit down with Paul, and we're going to we're going to delve into the journey that has been Overdose Digital. Their last seven years, uh, uh, Paul would describe it as VUCA: volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Something I'm sure many of you, our listeners, have faced over the last seven years as well, especially in that three year period of the the real heavy part of the pandemic. We're going to talk to him about lessons learned, some strategies, uh, and what worked, maybe what didn't work. And uh, I'm also going to ask Paul to put on uh, his uh, his magic hat and his crystal ball and maybe predict the future a little bit uh, and see what's in sight for that. So sit back, relax, and listen into this conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. Without further ado, Paul, welcome to Status Go. Wow, thank you, Jeff. Um, just I, I couldn't have said it better myself. In fact, I, I think I need to get you on board as my hype machine. Brilliant <laughs> to be here. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited about this about this conversation. I'm glad we were introduced uh, because I think the story uh, behind Overdose Digital. First of all, I think there's a lot there, but I think it, you have been able to take digital transformation and and really focus in on finding revenue streams, creating new revenue streams, creating new business ventures for, for your clients. And I think that's the unusual part that you all bring to the table. Before we dive into that, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your career journey. What led you to uh, Overdose Digital? And then if you don't mind, just a, a kind of a 50,000 foot overview of Overdose Digital itself. Sure. Yeah. Look, I, I think if I look back at my career, it was a, a career of uh, accidental opportunity, mainly saying yes to things before I knew what I was really saying yes to. Uh, for my sins, I spent uh, close to 18 years working in advertising for 
some of the big global networks and some independent shops, um, you know, building and creating and, and executing some pretty phenomenal campaigns. And when you're from New Zealand, you tend to, uh, we, we tend to believe that we punch above our weight. And so some of the work that we were doing was kind of way out on a limb. Some of the stuff uh, I'd say you wouldn't really get away with in, in some slightly more regulated uh, risk averse uh, environments. So we got to have a lot of fun. We got to do some amazing things, got to spend some pretty big budgets. Uh, but one of the frustrating things was that that outcome focus, right? What did you get from that creative execution, that campaign, that, uh, you know, that big budget TV ad that had to be converted to digital uh, and, you know, all, all of that environment. And so I guess as I went through that journey and as I started to progress and, and take on more leadership roles, I kept asking the question, you know, what was the result? How can we sh be sure that we're creating efficacy for this for this business, for this brand, um, and ensuring that we get the best out of the budget so that it actually delivers a return. And I guess that's where Overdose came in. So I had I, gone back to one of the network agencies as a as a, a last chance to see if I could be impactful. It had been fun, but hadn't really made that transformation, right? Like most agencies these days are talking about digital transformation, being digital centric, uh, really looking at how they can reinvent themselves from an advertising standpoint. And it's just it's really hard, right? Because it takes a lot of uh, a lot of old school thinking to get off their asses and really start to think about what the future is, and really open their minds up to what is new frontiers, new possibilities, right? And the world is changing so rapidly. Uh, if you're not if you're not running towards it, right, you're standing still and you're getting left behind. So, yeah. uh, Overdose was a was a um, an accidental opportunity. I actually met uh, uh, my business partners. Uh, as they came into my last agency that I was working at. And they came in as a kind of a, a hire to really supercharge the commerce space that, that we were playing in. And they lasted for about two weeks before they realized that the, the energy and the effort and the way that they operated just didn't fit, right? Like we were, we were slow and cumbersome and, you know, everything was about the bottom, the bottom line. And, and in reality, right, as soon as you focus on the bottom line first, everything else starts to uh, fall apart, I believe. And so I met, uh, I met these two gentlemen and we kind of clicked, right? We had an HR uh, meeting and that kind of meet and greet that HR loves to uh, set up for half an hour and have a quick chat and then you move on. We were talking for maybe three hours and uh, there was a massive uh, connection in that three hours that really aligned my ambitions for what I wanted to achieve within a business uh, and in a leadership role and the energies of, of these, these people who are now my business partners. Uh, and so Overdose was born out of that. Uh, I joined slightly after it had started as I exited the agency that, that I was in at the time. We came together with a common goal that, uh, um, you know, we'd stumbled on this opportunity in commerce right at that that tipping point where the accessibility of technology and uh, and the the concept that you could hire anywhere and get great talent was starting to converge in a, in a much more... Um, I guess manageable and and um, a, I guess accepted way, yeah. and so we'd won a lot of clients in New Zealand, and we were frantically figuring out how to deliver on all the promises that we made. Uh, and at the same time, we had this ambition to take what we were doing and, and literally test it on a global stage. We wanted to be the ones that just broke down or broke through all of those glass ceilings, broke down the doors, and and did something from New Zealand that no one had, uh, no one had ever done before. Um, and that was really take on 
the, the global commerce landscape and become the world's largest independent global commerce consultancy. Um, and that's still our ambition today. And, and how we've got there over the last seven years is definitely a journey uh, and an adventure as well. And some of the lessons that you learn, I guess, from a leadership perspective, but also from a, you know, being a, a people-centric business, right? Like we're, literally what we're doing is bringing talent together and then putting it in front of the merchants that we work with wherever they are in the world and helping them solve problems to to grow their businesses in a sustainable and manageable way. Um, and that was the promise from day one and it's still the promise today. Uh, but how we've got there and kind of some of the challenges that we've navigated, uh, some of the exciting things that we've, you know, blindly run towards and then, you know, got a bit beaten up, but learned some pretty cool lessons along the way. Um, you know, that's the stuff that keeps me turning up every every morning uh, and being excited for what we do. So the when, when you speak of the seven years, that's that's uh, that's the lifespan of Overdose Digital. You, you all have been uh, a business for seven years. Yes. Yeah. So we so the the genesis of Overdose was in t- 2016, and I think you know from 2016 to now, we've gone from you know a couple of guys with a concept and working in the back office of a merchant trying to figure it out from a strategic point of view to you know 400 plus people globally. Uh, we are servicing over 300 merchants. Um, we are working across a, an agnostic stack of technology. Um, you know, we've got DevOps, we've got UX, we've got CRO, we've got uh, commerce-focused strategy, we've got data, marketing, um, SEO, you know, anything that you can bring as a service layer to wrap around a merchant to help them find those new opportunities of growth. Yeah, yeah. And... and- I, I love some of the stories you were sharing when we met a, a couple weeks ago that m- at least several times you've been brought in to do, I'll call it project A, uh, and you're able to see and connect some dots that maybe your clients weren't seeing and you end up doing a project C, which is totally different, but it is dramatically changing that organization. Can you Share a couple of those stories with us. Uh, I, I think one of them uh, had to do with mining equipment, or at least that was the the genesis for it. Yeah, look, I, I think if you think about digital commerce, particularly around agencies, they're, they're typically the ones that kind of build a Shopify side or a, or a Salesforce or a, you know a, a technology implementation uh, that is then traded in some way, shape, or form most of the time you're building it and then you're handing it over and then you're moving on to your next project. We built a business that was uh, founded on the concept of long-term relationships. So when you build a piece of technology, it's not the technology that you're selling. It's the the creation of an asset, much like a store or a new location or whatever. And then you have to trade that asset. And so that mentality of, of trading has got us into a, a lot of conversations that you wouldn't typically start having with merchants until you've got uh, that trust built up over time. And so, you know, the example that, that you mentioned, um, you know, we're finding ourselves being spread into more and more different, interesting kind of crazy verticals that you just wouldn't have even thought of if you, if you stayed in your lane and you, and you stayed kind of focused on the tech that you were playing with in the, in the kind of project lifecycle. And so, you know, as, as we continue to open up our field of view and um, explore new spaces for, for um, helping businesses 
adopt a commerce mindset, right? So if, you know, imagine if you were, um, you're selling uh, um, courses in, in tertiary education, right? There's still mm-hmm. a commerce mindset, right? You've got to find your students, you've got to um, engage with them, you've got to bring them into a, into a lead generation and a life cycle of onboarding, and then you've got to convert them, right? They've got to sign up for a course, they've got to participate in that course, they've got to come out of it. There's one example where commerce really um, has a really strong, uh, it can have a very strong influence over a, an adjacent industry. You know, we were invited to, um, we were invited into a business uh, that basically was was built to, to uh, answer government tenders to provide products, right? So they'd source products, and then they would pitch for the tender for for government, and then they'd basically supply these over time. And in order to do that, they needed to basically have a, an environment where, you know, if they were doing, and one of these things was like feminine hygiene products for secondary schools. And so what they needed was they needed an environment where those secondary schools could come in, an MVP environment where those they could come in, kind of select what they need, make their order, it would be then sent out to them, and it would be pretty seamless. It's a digital um, it's, it's a digital solution to a long-term uh, problem that they were having. Yeah. This yeah. company also then tended to pitch for other, you know, procurement opportunities where they were trying to source different things. And the interesting thing for us was, uh, you know, once you get in there and you're starting to be that trusted advisor for one product, that may or may not actually get into the real world, right? It's a, it's a demonstration. It's an MVP. Um, we were asked to build, uh, you know, to help build a marketplace for excess minerals uh, that weren't being traded on uh, international, um, you know, government to government or, or, you know, large corporate to government uh, environments. These are excess minerals where people are picking them up in smaller tranches. So you're thinking about, um, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, software engineering or chip engineering, right? And you need core minerals to be able to produce that when you've got startups that are trying to reinvent and rethink the way that chips are constructed they go into these open markets they find this uh, raw material in small tranches and then they buy it and then they import it and then they bring it along we build a marketplace to access that uh, in real time with real-time bidding um, so that the prices would fluctuate kind of you know you're getting people from china to the philippines to south america to europe you know all coming into this and Think about the arbitrage of it, you know, how you're making real-time bids um, uh, active, uh, sorry, accurate and, um, and non-competitive, right? So what you're not trying to do is ratchet up the price with uh, false bidding. So, you know, I guess the story really is um, the, the wider that you think, the more opportunities come to you. And then the more reasonable you are when you say yes, the more likely you are to find yourself in, in interesting and, um, and new spaces. I, I love that the the wider you think, the more opportunities come your way. Uh, you you've already given me two or three quotes that I'm, I'm going to have a hard time picking what the title of our episode <laughs> is because uh, the other one that really jumped out at me was exit into opportunity. But um, so as as you all launched uh, seven years ago, talk about these seven years that VUCA as as I described in the opening. Uh, and some of the challenges that you all have weathered uh, and how you've been able to get through them. Wow. I th- you know, I've got, I don't have enough fingers to talk about uh, the number <laughs> of challenges, but 
you know, and I think anyone who's listening uh, and anyone who looks at their business will have gone through similar, you know, the, the, the similar global challenges that we've seen. You know, we had a large team or we still have a large team based in Ukraine and when Russia crossed the border, um, you know, now, what is it? Three, two, two years ago now, I think I was, yeah. we were in our, uh, in our um, ELT strategy uh, offsite. And, you know, this was a, this was an afternoon. I think we were on a golf course. That's what you do on these strategy offsites. Yeah. Uh, and we got a phone call from our, you know, we were watching the news. We knew this was you know, possibly imminent. And as soon as we saw the alerts come through, you know, we were on the phone to our MD who was in Kiev at the time. You know, we already had a register for where all of our people were, and they were spread from east to west, north to south across Ukraine. Um, and watching our business mobilize around this team, right? This this team that is the backbone that has been there since day one has grown out with us, uh, are considered, you know, our left and our right hands uh, within the business. Watching watching people in New Zealand and Australia and Singapore and and North America um, and other parts of Europe really just mobilized. Like we had a team on the ground in Berlin at the time who were literally looking for holiday homes that were available, reaching out to people that they knew, finding places for people to stay as they needed them. We were getting trains of people coming into into Europe and meeting them at the station and then, you know, setting them up and helping them find, uh, find safe places. We were also communicating daily with these people um, to really just understand the situations they were in, whether they were safe, First and foremost, you know, were they in bunkers? You know, were they, you know, were they moving with their families to try and get out of conflict um, areas? And I guess the most interesting thing as we went through that was was the was the deep, deep, um, just compassion and empathy from every person in this business, and then everyone connected to us. So our clients, our partner, our tech partners, our you know anyone who who knew us and knew of our people and had worked with them or um, you know, had any interaction with us, just were leaning forward, right? They were donating money, they were offering assistance, they were doing lots of stuff. The the most stark thing that happened during that, and the and the thing that really stood out for me is our MD there, uh, who, who's you know he was literally with our company from day one, and he was running a team of two hundred. Uh, you know, he was amazing. He he literally led from the front and. It was about six months into it where I just, you know, I, I finally had a moment to just talk to him directly and said, are you okay? You know, you've been dealing with this. I know you've got family here. I know, you know, you've got a young child. You've got a wife. You've got your extended family. I know you've been moving across the country away from Kiev. I said, how are you? He said, he said you know, I'm dealing really well. You know, we take this every one day at a time. I've got a plan to get where I'm going. And, and I know that. I said, well, how's your home? He said, oh, my village has been flattened. I've lost everything. Oh. And that was the first moment where you just go, you know, this man who has been a rock and a backbone for so many people, you know, he's, he's dealing with his own personal stuff. He's lost his home. He's lost everything. And he's trying to move his family and continue to move to safety as well. And that human resilience, that, that ability to kind of put things in boxes and, and project out confidence and capability yeah. is is you know, that was a stark reminder that every person in our business and every person that we deal with, regardless of the highs and the lows, is going through their own stuff. And so we have to have that empathy yeah. uh, for their situations. And then if you look at, you know, subsequently, we had the pandemic, right, and the world shut down. Um, you know, that was a boom time for us because in, if you're in digital commerce and you've got merchants, your stores were shut, the only thing <laughs> they could do was sell online, right? So 
yeah. our business yeah. con- continued its rapid growth. But through that, we also discovered a lot more about ourselves as well, right? How to how to build teams remotely, how to encourage people's uh, collaboration through digital channels, not through physical channels. Um, you know how to how to adapt to an environment that had to move at lightning speed, right? Where you know you had click and collect happening uh, overnight or or pick up from curb. Um, you had to kind of figure out your shipping, right? We had logistics issues from day one, right? Ships stuck in ports and and all that sort of stuff, and and we had to lean into this with the merchants that we were with. And you mentioned VUCA, you know, as we were um, coming out of the pandemic. We sat down as an ELT and we started to kind of really try and figure out how to adapt to this new environment without over-investing, right? So we didn't want to just assume that the whole world would be digital first all the time. And as we've seen, it hasn't. So we, we were grateful. Um, but we came across this term VUCA, right, which is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It's actually a military term coined by the, the U.S. military to deal with uncertain situations um, and to, to embrace that that kind of environment and so we took it on as going look the world you know it's not going to change it's always going to be volatile it's always going to have a degree of uncertainty we know it's complex and we know that ambiguity is going to consistently be there as well so how do we behave as a business to embrace it not to kind of fear it and shy away from it Um, and so it's something that really kind of underpins the way that we operate both as a people business and you know the way that we look at the world through the lens of our merchants as well. So as you're looking at, you know, the, you guys formed in in 2016, uh, four years later, you got the pandemic. We're just starting to come out of the pandemic when Russia crosses into Ukraine. Um, Mm -hmm. How has your leadership team been able to make the, the, I'll call it the right decisions. It seems like you navigated fairly well. I'm sure there's some pretty big bumps in the road, but you've made some pretty good decisions over the, that time period. How have you as a team been able to do that? Uh, I, I'd say we made um, some brave decisions, right? I don't know if they were all good, but I think being brave, you know, if we look at, we, we've just, we, we continually look at ourselves and go, what is it, what matters to us? And you know, we've just reviewed our, our values and, and some of the core behaviors that we that we believe in. And one of those is courage, right? The courage to move forward, the courage to make a choice. Um, and I think if we look at it, our mentality is momentum. And if you get stuck on problems, you just spin your wheels. And so whether you make a good decision or a bad decision, making decisions is key. And so we've learned some lessons, right? Like we, we uh, you know, we... We opened uh, a, an office in Europe and, and just got beaten up, right? It ah. just, it was hard. It was different. It was, and you know, we couldn't travel. Uh, we couldn't be there to really support in person, you know, make those human connections. Um, and it just didn't work out. And so we, you know, we had to leave with our tail between our legs. You know, we've been in the US now for close to four years in various shapes and forms. And, you know, we are still just finding our feet because it's, it's a unique and interesting and, and, you know, <laughs> massively um, exciting opportunity, but how you navigate yeah. those, right? Sometimes just saying yes and starting is the best thing. Um, I think as a, as a leadership team, particularly, it's about belief, right? And confidence. So we've got to believe in ourselves and we've got to 
we've got to back ourselves into these things and having each other's backs. But, you know, and we see this constantly, right? Like, I mean, you look at the news around open AI at the moment, this concept of, of co-governance and and whose decisions are right. There's always that tension. And I think that tension is healthy as long as it doesn't become a conflict. Um, And so in our uh, business, we look at it from, uh, you know, someone has an idea, we pitch it to each other you know, usually we just go, yep, let's do it. There's what, you know, what is there to lose? That's the first and foremost um, question. You know, what's the risk yeah. in it? And we're pretty, we have a pretty big appetite for risk when it comes to making kind of new um, leaps forward. Uh, and particularly in the space that we play in, right? Technology is changing all the time. Um, there's new things coming. You know, you, so some of the big players make bad decisions, right? Lots of hiring. We've seen, you know, the likes of Shopify and Adobe and yeah. Salesforce and BigCommerce and all those guys make, you know, have to pull back quite a lot, make a lot of retrenchments and stuff. Um, for us, you know, it, it's what is the worst that could happen? And the worst that could happen for us is that it affects our people, right? That we have to let people yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we have that filter, everything we do is based on whether or not we're creating a safe and supportive environment for our people. And if it goes against that, then we won't do it. Yeah. I think it's incredible that um, the, the the three founders, three, three of you, all right, um, met at a different organization and got to know each other so well that you can, you, you have that trust in each other, right? To make these decisions and make that call. The, the other thing that you talked about uh, when we spoke a few weeks ago was there are times when you're looking at a client and you may need to ramp up ahead of the revenue. So you're, mm-hmm. you're making a decision to invest dollars, hoping that the really making a bet, right. That the, that the revenue will come. Uh, how, how has that, um, how have you been able to maintain that trust relationship between the three of you when you're talking, risking some pretty big dollars? Uh, I, I mean, I think there's two parts to it. One is uh, we've been, benef- we've been, we've had the benefit of rapid uh, top line growth, right? So our revenue growth has been significant over a long period of time. And when you have lots of money coming in, right, mm-hmm. it allows, you know, it, it builds a, you know, arguably a, a false confidence of being able to continually kind of fight forward. Now, yeah. you know, we've hit, you know, the, the world has hit some interesting economic uh, turbulence, right? Interest rates, yeah. FX challenges, you know, when you come from New Zealand and you're trading predominantly on the USD, you know, when it drops from 72 cents to 52 cents, you start to really yeah. feel it, right? And so, you know, when, when, you know, over the last probably 18 months, right, where we've seen some, wobbles out there and, and our willingness to invest, particularly in human capital, right? We're hiring people invested in new technology, particularly, but also in other adjacent areas like data and marketing and that sort of stuff. We have to now be uh, a lot more, I guess, responsible with those decisions where I think yeah, previously yeah. because of the rapid acceleration, we could afford really quickly to make a move and then, you know, suffer the kind of, 200 half a million dollar um, cost because the revenue was always coming when it starts to slow down and it's, it's still, you know, we're still doing pretty well. I'm not complaining there. Um, we do have to sort of take a step back and go, all right, what do we look like? And if I look forward to uh, 24, 
you know, one of our core focuses is going back to our principles of looking after our people and what is that going to take? Ensuring that we yeah. build value-based relationships with our clients and maintain those, you know, those human interactions, those those people-to-people, trusted advisor, you know, business relationships are really core to us, right? We can't propose new things to our merchants if they don't believe in us. So we're going to go back to those and reinvigorate those over time, over 2024, yeah. because that's where the gold is, right? That's where the the nuance of change and the opportunity of growth will happen. I, I think the other word that you used as you were describing that a few weeks ago was ambition, that that's, that's part of what differentiates you from others is, is that ambition. So, you know, I'm, I'm hearing words like brave, courageous, ambitious, what other values help drive, uh, drive you personally and drive overdose digital? Mm. Uh, I think the number one value that, that we really thrive on is curiosity. Um, you know, the ability to, to constantly believe that we're never done. Right. And therefore to be constantly curious about what is next and what's out there and, you know, where we could kind of navigate off to the side. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to do that, but mm-hmm. the the willingness to continually investigate new things is is um, is still a core part of who we are. The other value that we have is together. So understanding that we're stronger together than we are alone. Um, and that's really an encouragement that uh, the overdose business is actually a network of exceptionally talented human beings in, in different parts of the world Fundamentally, you, if you're a person who, who works in our business, there will be someone who does what you do somewhere else in the world. And so we encourage that concept of together, that that building of your own overdose network uh, to ensure that you've got that kind of intelligent support and that I've been through this, oh, so have I, or I've got this question, oh, that's a question I've been asking, you know, that, that kind of you're never alone uh, mentality. If we get these things right, right, we're encouraging people to be open-minded uh, asking questions, uh, looking forward, and then we're encouraging them to do it together. Yeah. Um, and so if, as long as we can stitch people together like that, I think we can't help but succeed, but you've got to work at it all the time. And being spread out across the globe, uh, trying to build that togetherness has got to be, first of all, incredibly challenging. Um, what's mm-hmm. one of your... Uh, I guess best practices, lessons learned. How do you how do you do that? How do you connect people across the globe? Yeah, so I, I mean, I guess once the world opened back up after the pandemic, we can get back on planes, and so we could spend more time in person in the locations. You know, I think I've been up to the US now, uh, you know, quite a few times just to really connect with our team on the ground. Um, you know, into Southeast Asia, across the ditch into Australia. Um, haven't really got up to Ukraine yet, still probably a a little bit risky for us. But, you know, I I think spending more time in person with our people just reinforces my personal belief that if you focus on the differences, you'll always find that you're different. I believe fundamentally that we are more alike than we are different. And so finding what what we're similar, you know, what's similar about us is the core to connection, right? Yes, we may operate in different you know, financial jurisdictions or legal jurisdictions or different countries with different nuances, but we're all attracted to doing the work that we do for the same reasons, right? 
We want to have personal success. We want to see and be recognized for the success that we bring to our clients, to the partners that we work with. And if we can find those commonalities, um, it, it's what is going to bind us together. We have a, um, we've just launched an internal pro- training program for our, um, our next generation of leadership. It's at Overdose Academy. And we use an external provider to provide parts of it uh, to ensure that we're getting kind of new perspectives in there. And one of the things that we've done with this team is we've uh, focused on their strengths, right? We've used a tool called the Clifton Strengths. And what it says in there before you even get into the assessment is it says, we're not looking to fix weaknesses. In fact, there's no such thing as a weakness. What we're looking to do is focus on what you are strong at and accelerating your expansion of that, stretching you into spaces that are adjacent to that. So I think, you know, that mentality of, you know, focus on the good, right? Focus on the on on what you are strong at and focus on what is common is a really key piece, right? We're more alike than we are different. Yeah. I I really the this time has flown by, Paul, and we're we are out of time, but I want to uh, extend an invitation to have you back on the show uh, sometime in 24. Uh, because I think we've just barely scratched the the surface on on these lessons, and uh, I think our listeners really can find value in some of these things and and your approach uh, to those. And uh, what I'd love to do to wrap up, if uh, if you'll indulge me just a little bit, is um, we always like to end with a really strong call to action. We want to be very specific. Uh, to our listeners. Now, our listeners, our audience are uh, technology professionals uh, across the globe, but predominantly here in the U.S., um, mostly in leadership or, or emerging leadership type roles. Uh, so what are what's one or two things that you would suggest to them that they go do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation about overdose today? Yeah, so I mean, I guess if we look at, at where we've come and where we're going, some of the things that hold us back is just that overwhelming feeling of so much change and, and or so much opportunity. One thing that we encourage our people and our clients to do is pick one thing and do it, right? Let's not try and boil the ocean. Let's choose one thing as our first step forward, and that's a step, and then you take the next step. So choose one thing and do it. So maintain that momentum. And I guess the second thing is just that uh, that courage to accept that we are not finished, that the answer isn't that we were going to get to a point where it's all going to be perfect. So embrace that journey, right? Realize that every step you take is an opportunity to learn something new, to move forward, to, you know, embrace a brave new world. So, so just love the journey, right? Not the destination. Proceed on with courage. I, I love that. Yeah. There's a um, uh, there's a book that I I, I think uh, you would enjoy reading, uh, Paul. It's uh, it's called Fearless. Uh, it's by a, a friend of mine, Stephen Johns. Steve has Stephen has been on the show a couple of times, and Fearless really is a chronicle of uh, it's it's a weekly email series that he was sending to his company during the pandemic. Uh, it was, you know, heartfelt. Here's here's where we are today. And once a week, he'd send those out. And he stitched those together in a story about his company uh, overcoming VUCA during the during the pandemic. I think you would really enjoy that. 
Um, so, Paul, I do want to thank you so much. Uh, I, I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate that uh, uh, the grace in having to reschedule our interview from a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, I really did appreciate that, and I'm glad we were able to get back together again. So thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. And look, I've loved this conversation, and, and I'd be more than happy to come back and continue the, continue the chat. Thanks, Jeff. Fantastic. Fantastic. Would love to have you back in 24. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and we'll have Paul's contact information there as well. This is Jeff Tun for Paul Pritchard. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.